Well, we want to get into our Bible lesson today. If you have your Bibles, let's get them close. We're going to, uh, today is going to be a true Bible lesson in every sense of the word because we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures. So you want to have your, your Bible handy and uh, we're going to break some of them down. And what we're doing today is we're looking at if we can get through 11 of them. I'm not sure that time will permit us to. But we're going to look at 11 commands to believers, or we might could say commands to Christians. And the reason it's significant that we're doing that is because the Bible does talk uh, specifically to believers. Now, we know that if we're talking uh, to sinners, the Bible commands sinners to what? To repent. And so... Uh, we could we could talk about that. We could talk about commands to sinners to uh, to obey the gospel. But then once you've obeyed the gospel and once you've repented, uh, there is much to be said in the word about how we're as believers to live our lives. And uh, and so I want to look at several things, and most of them will uh, have to do with our relationships. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our relationships, how we interact with one another, uh, how we treat one another, how we think towards one another, and uh, really 11 wouldn't come anywhere near covering it, but I've selected a few that I think would be important for us to look at over the next little bit here, uh, mostly from the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and so we're going to jump right in, and I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number... 22, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22. It says this, it says abstain, everyone said abstain, an old English word, King James uh, re rendering of the word that we sometimes uh, refer to as to keep away, abstain, to stay away from, to refrain, uh, to avoid, to stay aloof from, to abstain. From all appearances, all forms, all kinds, and all of its variations of evil. Everyone said evil. So a believer, a Christian, a child of God is to have nothing to do with any type of evil. We're not to watch evil. We're not to listen to evil. We're not to be entertained by evil. Evil is not something that we are to partake of. It's certainly not something that we should invite into our lives. Evil is something that we stay away from. Amen? Evil is something that we avoid. Uh, evil is something that we, uh, that we actively work to avoid. That means that we put effort into staying away from all forms, every variation. And evil does come in all kinds of formats. Uh, evil is uh, something that crosses genres. It's something that uh, morphs itself into uh, many different things that would try to invade and infiltrate our lives. And part of a Christian's watchfulness, the Bible says that we're to watch and pray, amen? Part of what it means to be a vigilant, watchful Christian is that we use wisdom in these areas. Uh, wisdom is an important part of a child of God's lifestyle because wisdom 
helps you to be able to pinpoint evil. Wisdom helps you to be able to see something that may be... The Bible says that uh, Satan can appear as an angel of light. Uh, Satan will very rarely approach you in an intimidating fashion. He'll usually come at you in... Uh, in some kind of disguise and in some kind of uh, in some kind of format where he does not appear intimidating or evil, and so it's a Christian's responsibility to constantly be walking in the Spirit, to be full of the Spirit, so that we can recognize evil that is trying to come into our lives, and that means sometimes we're to test the spirits. That's a biblical concept. How do we do that? We do that through prayer. We do that by cultivating a spiritual sensitivity in our lives to where we can sense things. Have you, anybody have, we used to call it a Holy Ghost barometer when I was a kid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, where, have you ever had that feeling where your Holy Ghost inside of you just didn't, just didn't feel good about something? Anybody ever had that before? You couldn't, you couldn't put your finger on it. You might not could explain it. You might not could write a 10-page paper about it and tell the world why that wasn't right, but just something inside of you, your Holy Ghost inside of you, just anytime you got near that thing, it's just like your Holy Ghost just rose up inside of you. And um, one time, I don't know if, 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 uh, if my mother remembers this. It's good to see my cousins here today. Uh, Heather and Tiffany, love you guys. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, but many years ago, my mother and I, when I was a teenager, we went into a restaurant uh, somewhere on the west side of Chicago, and uh, I can't remember if it was a, an Outback or a Red Lobster or something like that, and we walked in, and we immediately felt like something was bad wrong. I mean bad wrong. First of all, it was, the restaurant was empty. And uh, we felt like something was really wrong, and uh, we, we couldn't explain it, but we just knew we needed to get out of there. So we turned around, and we left, and we found out later that day that that restaurant had been robbed at gunpoint. Your Holy Ghost can warn you of things. Did you know that? The Holy Ghost is not a useless spirit inside of you. It is the power of God. You have been endued, the Bible says, with power from on high. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have a powerful thing inside of you. And so if you will cultivate that, if you will walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, your flesh is a spirit killer. And so that's why Paul said, I die daily. I crucify my flesh. And when you crucify your flesh daily... You give room for your spirit to grow, for the Holy Spirit to operate inside of you freely. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. When you cultivate the spirit of God inside of you, they're going to walk into situations where through your human intellect, through your mind, you could have no idea what's going on. But the Holy Ghost inside of you will warn you. It will lead you. It will guide you. It will protect you. From all appearance of evil, in all of its forms, in all of its fashions, and, and, uh, and, and listen, we're living in an evil, evil world. Many of you have watched with horror uh, as the news comes rolling in of this 
horrific shooting and terrorist attack in Paris over the weekend. What a terrible, tragic thing that is. I want you to know evil is alive and well. We live in a world that is full of evil, and we need the children of God to be full of the Holy Ghost and fire. We need to be walking in the spirit and not in the flesh because, listen, there are all kinds of things operating in this world right now. And the children of God need to be sensitive to these things. It's no time to be playing games with evil things. It's no time to be uh, playing around with things because they might seem cute. Evil is never cute. Evil is never funny. Evil is never harmless. It is always dangerous, no matter, no matter what form it comes in. So we're to abstain from all appearances of evil. Secondly... I'd like to take you to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. We're looking at commands to believers. And again, we see that word abstain. Everyone said abstain. There's a lot of things that Christians are to abstain from, to stay away from, to keep away from. And this is an important part of Christian discipline, is learning that there are some things that we are to stay away from. Look at the person beside you and say, stay away. Not you. Not you. But stay away. There are things you need to stay away from. First of all, the appearances of evil. But secondly, we're to abstain from all fleshly lusts or longings, desires, which war against the soul. There are, there are things, and if we were honest today, we would all have to admit that we have a sinful nature. Uh, we're born into that. It's a part of our DNA. Yeah, we have it from birth. And we all wrestle with our flesh. We wrestle with our mind. We wrestle with our thoughts. We wrestle with carnal desires. We all have sinful longings. We might even say the word. Some people have cravings that are, that are sinful. And it's because we were born into a fallen, broken world because sin came into the world. But the Bible tells us that we're to abstain from those things. We're to stay away from anything lustful, anything that would entice us, anything that would pull us down. We're to abstain from those things, run from those things. Let me just pause and, and uh, talk to you with the pastor's heart for a minute here. Run as fast as you can from everything that would drag you down, everything that would hinder your relationship with God, everything that tempts you. Don't play with it. Don't watch it. Don't listen to it. Don't read about it. Run from it as fast as you can. Get in an altar if you have to. Find a prayer closet. Do whatever you have to do to abstain from all fleshly lust because they're fighting inside of you. Anybody ever feel like there's a war just raging inside of you? Every single human being that has ever lived has that feeling. You are not alone in that feeling because we're all born into this same fallen world. And so, and so what we have to do is we have to fight the battle. And the number one way that you fight that battle that's happening inside of you is to abstain from fleshly lust, to get away from it, keep away, avoid it, stay aloof from it. You say, well, I can handle it. No, no, 
You can't handle it. If you stay close to it long enough, you will falter. You will fall. So stay away. We used to sing in Sunday school, and I, I still sing it to my kids sometimes. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear, right? And so what are we saying? We're, we're telling children. Uh, we're teaching them this principle at a, in a very simple way at a very young age that be careful what you're around. Be careful what you listen to, what you look at, what you talk about, what you, what you allow into your life. And we're trying to teach kill children at a young age to avoid fleshly lusts. And that same lesson applies to us great big kids here today, doesn't it? It still applies to us. We have to be careful the things that we allow into our, into our life because what you allow into your life can make the difference between you winning the fight and losing the fight. How many want to win the fight? How many want to win the fight? Amen. All right, now we're going to look for the rest of the morning for a few minutes here we're going to look at commands that have to do with our relationships. Everyone says relationships. Now, we're talking about relationships in general. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. It has a lot to say about all kinds of relationships, uh, family relationships. But we're going to be talking about uh, generic relationships today. And uh, we're going to begin with Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17, which tells us basically to avoid troublemakers. How many think that sounds like a good idea? To avoid troublemakers. And I'm going to be looking at the New Living Translation here. Now, I realize that we're, we're kind of broaching what really shouldn't be controversial ground here. But I've noticed that in modern Western Christianity... Uh, there, this has become a controversial topic. When I've preached like this in the past, I've, I've gotten a, uh, a lot of emails, a lot of feedback through our podcast of people who will say, well, listen, uh, shouldn't, I, uh, shouldn't I cultivate relationships with troublemakers? Shouldn't I cultivate? They may not use that word, but uh, they might use the word. Shouldn't I, shouldn't I spend as much time with uh, people who are deep in sin as possible so that I can be a positive influence on them. And, uh, and so the thinking goes that, you know, I'm going to allow uh, certain things into my close circle of friendship so that I can influence them. And, and I understand that sometimes there is a, a sincerity to that kind of thinking. Sometimes. Some people are very sincere and that line of thinking. And they'll say things, for example, that uh, Jesus sat down and ate with sinners and he went into their homes and all of those things. And that's, uh, that's true to a certain extent. But I want you to know that my experience, having watched and counseled and loved many people, is that you become like the people you spend the most time with. You become like the people that you spend the most time with. That's why, by the way, we put such an emphasis on, here at Apostolic Tabernacle on having church and gathering together and fellowshipping with God's people. Because I'll tell you what, I want to be like God's people. I, I, want, 
I want to be with God's people because you influence me and I influence you. And, and not just what we're doing here, I, not just preaching and teaching, but when we get together in fellowship during the week or when we have special functions, we come together. And the more we're together, the more we encourage one another, the more we become like one another. And hopefully we're all becoming more and more like Christ together. But when you allow troublemakers into your life, Eventually, you will become a troublemaker. You will. Eventually, you will. Now, I'm not saying not to love people. I'm not saying <laughs> I am not advocating for one second that we're mean-spirited or rude to anybody. Listen, we need to love people. But did you know that you can love people from a distance? You can. You don't have to spend every waking moment with someone to love them. You can love people and care about people, and use wisdom and caution at the same time. Yes, you can. Listen, if you've struggled with alcoholism, you don't need to be hanging around alcoholics. And that applies to many areas of your life because eventually you will become like the people that you spend the most time with. So... Uh, Paul said this. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions. Now, he's talking specifically here within the church. Now, he's saying, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith. Now, he's talking specifically about people within the church, so-called Christians within the church, who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. You need to be very careful about uh, people who contradict the word of God that's been taught into your life. Don't entertain that kind of conversation. That's why, that's why I don't, uh, by the way, that's why I don't invite uh, into my home through even radio. I know uh, preachers who preach false doctrine. I don't want my kids to listen to it because I don't want my kids being taught things contrary to the word of God. I'm very careful about that kind of thing. And so just because someone claims to be a teacher or a preacher or in God forbid, even somebody sitting on a pew, people can have all kinds of agendas just because they show up to church doesn't mean their heart is pure. People can have agendas. And the moment that you discern that someone has an agenda that is anti the word of God, you need to stay away from that person. Can I get an amen? I know that's not popular. I know that sounds in our culture. That sounds a little mean spirited. But Paul was using great wisdom under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that you should not allow things and voices to come into your life that are pulling you away from the truth of God's word. If somebody tells you holiness doesn't matter, stay away from that person. If somebody tells you Jesus' name baptism doesn't matter, stay away from that person. I just had somebody last week that I went to Bible college with who called me and he said, Ryan, I don't believe that you need to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. I said, I love you. God bless you. Good day. I'll talk to you some other time. I am not going to allow that kind of thing to be spoken into my life because it is dangerous. And by the way, there are spirits attached to those things. The spirit of rebellion is a powerful spirit. 
The spirit of pride is a powerful spirit. And I'm going to tell you something that I found about backsliders. They often have a very dangerous spirit of pride. It gets a hold of them. You know, it's a prideful spirit that says, I know more than the preacher. It's a prideful spirit that says, I know more than the anointing. It's a prideful spirit that says, I no longer believe what the elders taught about holiness. It's a pride that can get a hold of somebody that says, I know better than all of the elders in my life. I know better than every preacher that's ever spoken into my life. God forbid we ever allow that kind of spirit to get a hold of us and manipulate our thinking. We ought to pray it out of the church. We ought to pray it out of our country. It's the spirit of pride and rebellion that is destroying my millennial generation because we have young people. And I'm not just talking about in the church world. I'm talking about in society in general. We have an attitude that says nobody can tell me anything. It's a dangerous spirit. It's a dangerous, dangerous spirit. And we ought to run from it. Stay away from it. Don't allow it into your life. Use wisdom Use caution. Do it with love. Do it with kindness. Everyone said kindness. Brother Ryan is not advocating having a chip on your shoulder. Right? I'm not advocating having a chip on your shoulder. But I am advocating using wisdom and caution. You can do that and still be a kind and loving person. Did you know that? You absolutely can. All right. We're still talking about relationships here. The fourth thing, and I've got to move a little faster, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 6 says to withdraw from disorderly people. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command. Everyone said it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. In the name, now, I, I find this amazing that Paul says it this way. He says, I give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many think that Paul means business here? Paul is serious about this. This is not a game. This is not a small thing. This is, this is something that he's trying to get their attention. And, and I feel like the Lord's trying to talk to us this morning. He says, stay away from all believers. He didn't say sinners. He said, believers who live idle, lazy lives and don't follow the tradition they received from us. Everyone said tradition. I think tradition is, is uh, a word that has come under a lot of attack lately within the church. Did you know that it is okay to have tradition? It's okay to have tradition. Tradition is not a dirty word. We need to have tradition that is passed down from men and women of God into our lives. There is nothing wrong with having tradition in the church. We need to have it. And we need to have teaching that, uh, that speaks into our lives. And we need to follow those things. And so he said, listen, there's a lot of people out there that they've received the preaching. They've received the teaching. And they will not follow it. Stay away from that person. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We are not idle. When we were with you, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. So he's advocating a, a good work ethic. He's advocating honesty. He's advocating integrity. And he says, when you see Christians who are idle, they're lazy, 
And all of these things, you need to be very careful. Number 14, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. In other words, people who are rebellious. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies. Now, he's saying what I've been saying all of this time. Don't don't get a mean-spirited adversarial attitude with people. Don't think of them as enemies. Don't hate them. Don't, don't have a, 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 an unkind response to them, but warn them as you would a brother or a sister. In other words, because you love them, have the courage to warn them that what they're doing is not right. Did you know it takes more courage to love someone and disagree with them than it does to love with them and just go to love them and go with the flow? A lot of people think that love means that you just agree with everything that everybody does. That's not love. That's not every parent that's ever had children knows, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, that that isn't what love looks like. Love is many times having the courage to say, I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but you're so lazy. Nobody got the humor in that one. I love you. But you really need to change your attitude. I love you, but, you know, you really, really need to work on that. I love you. I love you, but you're not thinking right. You're not thinking clearly. Anybody ever had to do that with a loved one? I love you, but your mind isn't right. And because I love you, I've got to tell you, and I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. All right. Number five, moving quickly. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Be separate. From the unclean, come out from among them. And I've added in here unbelievers. That's what Paul is talking about. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Well, I think that one's uh, pretty much speaks for itself. Number six, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 Don't be deceived by evil companions. There's a lot here. Notice all of these warnings, one after the other, about our relationships as Christians with unbelievers. He says this, Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Awake from your drunken stupor, And return to sober sense in your right minds and sin no more. For some of you have not the knowledge of God. You are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant. And continue to be so. Lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of him. I say this to your shame. In other words, you came to the Lord. You you, uh, repented. You were baptized. You were filled with the Holy Ghost. You're trying to serve God. And yet you allow evil companionships to constantly, constantly draw you back into sin. Constantly pull you back into the world. Constantly drag you back into your old lifestyle. All of the things that God delivered you from. Let me tell you, it would be heartbreaking for God to save you and deliver you. And then you allow evil companionships to drag you back into the very things that God saved you from in the first place. I want to help somebody today. Avoid those things that would drag you back into the world. Number seven, 1 Timothy 6 and 20. Avoid profane, vain conversations 
and false science. Everyone said false science. Boy, there's a lot there, and we don't have time. I want to look at the King James Version. Let's read that together. The very top one there, it says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed. Could we read this together? Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Now, I'm annoying pastor here because he hates the amplified version, but uh, I, I enjoy the amplified version when I study because what it does is the Amplified Version, and is that what annoys you about it? Is that it's, <laughs> you do not, you hate it. It says it about, it says it about three different ways usually, and uh, I enjoy that. And I think what annoys Pastor is as a brilliant Greek scholar, that's what, I knew that's what it was. As a scholar, it, it gives you three different examples, and not every example is the literal, uh, the literal, uh, transliteration of the Greek word. And so I enjoy it because it, it gives you sometimes a, a deeper understanding. I wouldn't want to read this as my main text. I would never do that. I all, whenever I study, I always study with the King James as my primary uh, text, and then I'll sometimes use different translations to help me understand, and then often I'll go back uh, to my interlinear Bible, which is a Greek Bible that gives you the English translation, and uh, I enjoy doing that. And sometimes the Amplified Bible is interesting. It shows you several different variations in, of what the word is saying. It says this, So Timothy, guard and keep the deposit entrusted to you. Turn away from the irreverent babble. I like that word. Babble's just a good word, isn't it? From the irreverent babble and godless chatter with the vain and empty and worldly phrases and the subtilities and the contradictions in what is falsely called knowledge and spiritual illumination. Just because something uh, comes to you and appears to be spiritual doesn't mean it's spiritual. In fact, a lot of people who portray themselves as spiritual are not spiritual at all. You need to be very, very careful about that. And so we're to guard ourselves from from conversations that are, that are irreverent to the things of God. I don't, I don't joke about the Holy Ghost. It bothers me when people make fun. Uh, have you ever been in, I, I hope you haven't, but if you've been around Pentecost long enough, you'll know someone who will, sometimes they'll joke and they'll, uh, they'll do like a fake speaking in tongues kind of thing. I, I can't stand that. To me, that's irreverent to something that's holy and sacred. Be very careful about having conversation that is vain, irreverent. And we live in a very irreverent, does everyone know what the word irreverent means? We, we live in a world that is extremely irreverent to sacred things. Extremely irreverent to sacred things. And by the way, I know this is very old-fashioned. This isn't in my notes. I'm out of time. I, I don't even know why I'm saying this. I probably shouldn't say it. But let me just tell you, uh, you know why I don't come and I'm looking to be careful here because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I, I, I want people to come into our church and I want people to come to church that are sinners and I want them to feel absolutely comfortable no matter what they're wearing, no matter what they look like. If you're a visitor today, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what you're doing. You are welcome in the house of God. We love you. 
But as someone who is a Christian and a child of God, I don't come to church like I'm going to a baseball game or going hunting in the woods because I have a reverence for the house of God. That's why I don't wear my old ratty t-shirt and my jeans that I go paint in when I come to church because I have a reverence for the house of God and for the presence of God. Again, I want to clarify, if you're a sinner and you're, I, I, listen, that, you come any way you want to come. That doesn't bother me at all. But for those of us who have been saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, he saved us from sin. He delivered us. He set us free. How many have ever been healed in your body? God's ever healed you. I've had, God healed me from a heart disease and I can't even tell you I was on the verge of death. God has healed me over and over again. And when I come into his presence, I'm not going to do it like I'm about to go out and paint my house. I'm coming into the presence of God and I want to have a reverence for the house of God and a reverence for the things of God. And I, I can't approach church like I'm going to a restaurant. I just can't do it. And by the way, if I was going to meet the president right now, if they were going to fly me to the White House and I was going to go stand in his office, I wouldn't put my jeans and T-shirt to go do it or my flannel or anything. And I love all those things. Listen, you see me through the week. I don't dress like this on Monday. I'm sorry. I just don't. Pastor does because he's amazing. But I don't dress like this on Monday. I dress like this on Sunday. And I'm going to tell you why. If I went into the president's office, I would put my best clothes on out of respect for the office of the presidency. When I come into the house of God, I want to put my best on out of reverence and respect for the presence of Almighty God. I know that's old-fashioned. Every bit of that was free. I'm sorry. I just want to let you know that when I come into the house of God, I want to have an attitude, not just... I want everything about me to have a reverence. When I come in, I'm not just going into any old place. This isn't Red Lobster. This isn't Steak and Shake. This is the house of God. And my mind has to be right. And my attitude has to be right. And my heart has to be right when I come into the presence of God. I don't want to come into his presence casually. I don't want to come into his presence just with a low-key attitude. I come in with reverence and awe, expecting. Everyone said expecting. I come expecting. Did you come expecting God to do something today? I don't know what need you have today, but I hope you're expecting God to meet it. I don't know what it is you have need of today, but I want you to know the healer is in the house. The Savior is in the house. The Deliverer is in the house. He's here. And I hope you're expecting him to move in your circumstance. Stand with me all across the building. We're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord. I, didn't, I knew when I, when I had 11 points, I should have known I wasn't going to get anywhere near 11. But we did our very best. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we love you, Jesus. I pray that you would help us, God, in all of our relationships. I pray that you'd help us to abstain from evil abstain from fleshly lust, God. I pray that you would help us to have wisdom and caution and care, all the while maintaining a loving, kind, good spirit, Lord. Help us to be meek, because we know the meek shall inherit the earth. We give you praise. We give you glory. Give us an attitude of reverence for your presence, God. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Shake a few hands. Tell someone you love them. God bless them.